We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Shu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Post Thanksgiving Madness uh, here at Dateable. How full are you, Julie? <laughs> Still full. I feel like I was gone forever, even though it was a week. I was back in Boston for the holidays. That's a long time. Yeah, you know, I think like when you're not in your own bed, it does feel like a bit, right? Mm. But it was nice. How was your holidays? It was very non-eventful. I went to a brunch with my parents on Thanksgiving. But at brunch, we went to brunch at 1045 a.m., by the way. Okay, on Thanksgiving Day. The people that sat next to us were on a first date. On Thanksgiving? Isn't that awkward? I mean, I guess like if you're home for the holiday, I mean, you've well, nothing to do, you know? I heard their whole story. Their coworkers exploring a possible romantic connection. And the guy was so awkward. He gave her his whole STI results. What? Like he's like, I get tested for chlamydia on a quarterly basis. And she's like, why? <laughs> why do you need to That's do that? <laughs> awkward. I could just picture this Thanksgiving like UA's parents are there trying to have like a a nice meal. Yes. And then UA's air is like in the conversation of the people next to them. Well, he was so loud. My dad's like, what's chlamydia? Oh, like, oh my boy. God. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, ask Google dad. Oh my God. Okay. Your whole family was eavesdropping because they were that much. That's crazy. Well, they were facing yeah. towards us and he was so awkward and loud. And I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that they were spending their first date as coworkers exploring a possible romantic connection on Thanksgiving morning. Yeah, I mean, I guess like I was thinking like maybe they'd gone home, but they probably were just like didn't go no. back home. Like they stayed behind. But right. Still, right. I don't know. I feel like even like brunch, it's just a very interesting first date. The whole thing. Very about interesting. It. Yeah. Yes. Well. And he kept saying like, you know, let's get whatever you want because I'm paying. But I'm paying by the That's way. That's weird. I'm paying. <laughs> 
I'm so intrigued by them. I want to find out more. I think like the best pastime is just listening to first dates because you can tell. Oh, it's the best. It's always so awkward. It never feels like the right dynamic of just people that are comfortable with each other. I love it. Yeah, I know. Do you ever talk about chlamydia on a first date? Um, Nope. And that definitely did not come up at my Thanksgiving table. That's for sure. Like, bro, we're trying to eat some turkey. (laughs) Leave the chlamydia conversation off the table, please. I love it. Yeah. No, my Thanksgiving was definitely a very busy household. Like we had my brother, sister-in-law, and niece, my niece. I'll give a shout out to my sister-in-law because I know she listens to every dateable episode. She's such a good fan. Does she still? Oh, yeah. She she loves it. She goes for a walk. Listen, she's our number one. But my niece is just so, so cute. I love her so much. And she is such a performer. And maybe one day she'll be a future dateable host. Oh, yes. Take it over As we for pass us. the legacy. I mean, by the time if that was to happen, we'd, we'd probably be pretty freaking old by then. So I ho- Yeah, I hope we're not like, talking about ghosting. We're like 80. There'll be whole new words by then. But Yeah, they just they, they died. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, was, it was nice to be back. It was really freaking cold in Boston. I yeah. realized like how much of a wimp I am now. I just Ugh. forgot. A few weeks ago, I was like, I don't get cuffing season. Now I'm like, I kind of get it a little. (laughs) Yeah, it's really freaking cold. I don't get it in many levels as we talked about, but I get the part of maybe not like going out as much. But I don't know. It's kind of fun too to just like bundle up, but maybe not if you were doing it all the time. Maybe for me. Yeah, you would get a little sick of it and you just want to stay home and cuddle. But there are other things you can cuddle other than like a stranger. (laughs) Heated blanket. That sounds nice. Or how about a a weighted napper? Oh my God. Therapy. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I love that thing so much. It's great. It is one of our sponsors. We got to give a shout out to them, Baraby. They do these weighted hand crocheted blankets that that they call nappers. They're just like little blankets, basically, but you'd like bundle yourself up in them. And my friend May, you know May, Julie. Yeah. She's such a big napper. She's I call her panda all the time. She knows how to nap. And she came over to my house the other day. She's like, can I take a nap? And she saw the napper. She's like, what's this? And she just put herself into it. Like she just swaddled herself. And I was like, wow. You know exactly what to do with that. That's you know, <laughs> that's how you do that. That's how, that's what they call a napper. So she was such a natural, but that thing is oh my so god, great. oh my god, so great. Yeah, it was nice that we were able to do one night in Boston, just my partner and I. So we kind of got like a date night. We went to this indoor mini golf that was so high tech. They basically calculated all your scores through the ball, Whoa. and like everything was done automated, so you couldn't cheat. <laughs> and yeah and it was it was really cool and i won twice so i was happy of course you did no i don't always i usually don't i do appreciate a partner who's uber competitive when it comes to that stuff. I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, as long as you're competitive there and not in other ways. You know? Right, yes, like <laughs> at your job. Or just like in your relationship. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I took out the trash on Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leave it to the mini golf courts. Yeah, you love mini golf. It's a great date. You know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. I don't think it's a good date for like date one through three. It's just hard to talk to people. Yeah. But once you've like established some rapport, it's super fun. It is fun. And you get to spend a good amount of time there. Like yeah. you don't run out of things to do. Yeah. Totally. nice. I know that before we got on, I was like, Julie, I have something to discuss with you. And you're like, I have something to discuss with you. I do. Do you want to go first? <laughs> I feel like you ignored my text on this one. And I'm like, I'm going to bring it up here. What? I did? <laughs> I had a very important question for you and you passed right over you it. You did? 
Are you sure? I mean, you're going to like, it's not that important, but okay. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix, Twin Flames? Holy shit. I did not. I did not get this. No, I did not get this text (laughs) message because, you know, that's the podcast I listen to. The cult one. The cult. Yes. Yes. Okay. I didn't know you were listening to the podcast. I didn't even know it was a podcast. Remember, I I texted you because my friend Kate was like, you got to listen to this thing. It was about this girl in San Francisco. And I was like, oh, is this someone we know? Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. So for anyone that has not seen it, it is wild. So it's on Netflix right now. And it's basically a married couple that's trying to like, you know, help people find their twin flame, which is like, yes. what, like the spiritual like soulmate that's like your other half. But there's like a whole thing about twin flames. Yes. Like they weren't the one that invented it. And at first I was like, oh, like this isn't that far off from like some of the stuff we do. Like in the sense there's a group discussing, everyone's like pumped up. You know, I was like, oh my God, this like seems like kind of like some of our like calls we've done. And then it takes some turns. Oh, <laughs> and I yes. was like, okay, this is not what we do at all. I was like, yes. holy shit, it takes some turns. I mean, I think the girl that maybe you're talking about from SF, she had like, li- okay, so they basically would tell you like, this is your twin flame. Like, we know who it is. Yes. She- they told her to pursue some guy that was clearly not into her. Not into her To the at point all. that she got a restraining order and ended yes. up in jail for a him. month. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Yeah, because she was so convinced. Like, this yes. is your person. And if he's resisting, it just means he hasn't seen you yes. as his twin flame yet. He doesn't know yet. I thought it was I couldn't get worse than that. And then oh, no, no, it no. gets the other way woman. worse. The whole thing is like they can guarantee. I mean, that's like clearly something we would never say in a thousand years. Like we can guarantee that you find your twin flame. Like who says that? Yes. So they were forcing people essentially to be together to show that. And yeah. then because people weren't finding their twin flames, they changed the rules that you could only find them in the group. Yes. But it was all women. So they started to like <laughs> assign them genders. And I was like, holy. Holy fuck. People are going through like full on like gender transformations because these yes. two people are telling them. Of course, we're clearly like so pro trans rights, but this is very different when someone's assigning you. Like these people were like, I've never felt like a man before in my life. It's like if someone, if they said, UA, your twin flame is Julie. Yeah. And then Julie's like, I didn't know UA was my twin flame, but I will be open to it. And then and then they would say, UA, you are now the man yes. in the relationship. And I would go and like completely transform myself. I feel like they weren't even saying like, Julie, are you open to it? It was like, UA is your twin flame. Like that is it. It's yeah, a fact. that's it. But you, yeah. But you as Julie, you're like, whoa, I, I thought she was my friend, but now yeah. I have to see her sexually. Yes. And it's like, if you don't choose UA back, you've got no one. That's your twin flame. Yeah, you're going to die. You're it's your die fault. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, this thing is crazy. So, okay, I guess yes. you've been watching it and are listening to it. I got to go yes. to the podcast now. I got to get on there. Is super, I mean, yeah, I need to watch the show too. Oh my but God. The podcast is so engaging. And you just, I don't know, my takeaway was people will do anything to find love. Yeah. And they're really, you know, exploiting that. I hate that though, because it like discredits like, things that we do and obviously yes. the guests we have we've an amazing guest today who's like so like i want to help people and it really just goes to show you that you need to still have a critical mind and if you're ever in a situation where an expert is telling you that you must do something that is something to stay away from no one is ever in the place to tell you like this is the only path for you or this is what you must do like that's that's too far 
Yeah, a credible person <laughs> will lead a horse to water. Yes. A non-credible, exploitive person will force the water down the yes. horse's throat. Yes. Okay, so that's the difference. And we'll never force anything Holy down your shit. throat. I was yeah, so exhausted. Okay, coming back from Boston, and then I had like some other work things this week, and I was just so tired, yet I could not stop watching this thing. Okay, I'm going to have to start watching it. it <laughs> I watched it twice. Like I'm not so gonna lie. You I did? watched it last night and the night before. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. Well, a lot of these cults, they all start with such good intentions. So when you first hear about it, you kind of think, well, I could definitely be convinced yeah. of this. Right? It sounds like they're helping people. But then they go the fucking extreme. Well, the fact they were like ostracizing people from their family too yeah. and like telling them yes. that they had, you know, that's clearly a sign if you're ever in a situation where they're like telling you to like not talk to people. Not the, you know, help that <laughs> is coming from a good place and telling you yeah. you had like past traumas that you were unaware of. Like who are these yes. people? That's the definition of a toxic relationship. Right. That's the thing that I was like, are these people like, are they so convinced that their way, like this spiritual way they created is accurate or are they just in it for cult leadership power? Because it's hard for me to imagine that they actually legit believe this stuff, but you never know. You never know. You never know. It's still running. It's still running today. Is it really? 60,000 people in their Facebook group, they claim none of this is true. They've put out messages saying no none of this is true they're just helping people yeah yeah this is my big thing (laughs) it's clearly been on my mind but yes wow gosh the balls on them yeah look at all the evidence look at all the people who came forward they're just making this shit up i know wow yep Okay, mine's less intense, (laughs) but I was equally as amused, Julie. Have you heard of these venue promotion scams through dating apps? No. Okay, I heard this on the radio, like an old fogey that I am, but apparently it was a trend on TikTok. This woman got stood up on a dinner date. She went to the restaurant the guy picked. The guy didn't show up. And so she came back and posted it on TikTok, how she got stood out on this date, even though he picked the restaurant, and she ended up just staying at the restaurant because she was hungry. And then other women came forward and said they had the exact same experience with the exact same restaurant. That's fucked. So they did a little bit of digging and found this is pretty prevalent on dating apps where these restaurant venues, it's called venue promotion scams, they would create bots on dating apps to lure daters to their restaurants, stand them up so that they would then be feel trapped and then eat there and patronize establishment. Again, exploiting vulnerable people. All of this. It's been going on for over a decade, Julie. Wow. This is like not a new scam, but they're just now discovering it. That's messed wild. Up. That's messed That's up. That's wild. And also if it, and you know the discussion is like if someone asks you out on a date and they pick a specific place, would that raise a red flag for you? No. Absolutely not. No. I would actually be impressed. Like, great. Well, clearly we can't go into everything with like a skeptical mindset, but it is good to know these things are happening. And then if things start to not feel right to you, you know, maybe there is a little more going on with all the scammers. I mean, that's my only fear with all this stuff is it like makes people just so skeptical of everything. I know. I know. But if they're using bots chances are these conversations were not that great. Probably. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. It's like you need to know yourself. No wonder dating brings all sorts of trauma. I'm going to bring it back to our episode (laughs) this week. Thank you. So much that can come from all of this. But 
yeah, like we're talking about with our guest today. I'm going to bring it back <laughs> with our guest today, Andre. Like he is a coach that helps people like work through their past traumas, but he's not telling people what those traumas are. Like they're going to him. Like that's the difference. And I think that's what we need to remember is like, so we're not saying like, don't get help from outside people. Clearly there's so much benefit. Like there's a reason why we do this podcast to get messages every week of just like how it helps people. So I don't want to like discourage helpers out there. Yeah. And Andre specifically helps people with their previous sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And he discovered this gift of his at a very young age. And we were very curious, what does this line of work look like? How do you work with clients one-on-one on their sexual trauma? So I'm pretty sure if you've never talked to a coach in this industry before, your your mind's going to be blown by what is involved. Like, we're not going to give the exact details, but this came through someone that UA knew. Like, this isn't just like a random person we found on the internet. Like, you had someone share with you, like, this is someone that's greatly helped me. And we were very intrigued by that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is such a great conversation. I think even like we talk about it today, it's like when we hear sexual trauma, we think of like the big T trauma, but this discussion really goes into everything, you know, from someone not wanting to date you in middle school to like your parents getting divorced. Like there's all sorts of trauma that I think I'm very hesitant to even use the word trauma, but I think it does impact us saying like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Like that's what's suppressing some of this stuff too. Yep. And so we hope this conversation encourages you to one, understand this industry a little bit better, but two, to like have the empathy for yourself to understand like maybe there are some traumas that you haven't faced or saw as trauma that now you can have a more empathetic look at it all. Yeah, whatever it is to help you ultimately like put the stuff behind you so you can have the love life you want. Yeah. Okay, well, we won't go any further because we got a whole episode. But before we get into it, at Dateable Podcast, that's our Instagram, TikTok. You can find us on YouTube. Love of the time of Corona, we will change the day by end of year. I'm I'm putting (laughs) that on air so we're forced to do it. We've had a few (laughs) ideas and none of them are fully stuck. So we're kind of just still muddling around you have a great idea send us an email tell us we got a few ones from the facebook group we're still exploring so this will be changed though by end of year because we know that people want to get out of corona okay and last but not least the only gift you can give us this holiday season is a rating and review. You're so <laughs> close to our goal. We're not quite there. We're still like 200 away. But we do know there's a lot of you listening, like m- way more than 200 that have not left a review. So we're really hoping we can get there by end of year. And, you know, if you don't use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can always send a- put us a review there as well. That's another area we need to build up to. This helps us so much, as you know, because it makes us a reputable podcast that people want to come on as guests and that all benefits you all at the end of the day and obviously us to keep this podcast going so it's just the circle of love and giving so please give us a review help us keep going it also keeps you and i personally motivated to hear stories of how this podcast has helped you or how you've met someone or you're enjoying dating now or comfortable being single or happy being single like all of that makes us so happy warms our hearts and keeps us going okay well before we get into it with Andre, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. My healing journey has had a lot of ups and downs the last few months, and there were moments where I felt stuck. 
For example, I knew it would be good for me to socialize and meet new people, but something was getting in my way. Therapy helped me figure out what was holding me back so I can work for myself, not against myself. Through talking to a licensed therapist, I was able to understand my fears, especially around trust in people. My therapist validated my feelings, but also helped me figure out a plan to get back into the social scene. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com dateable today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Okay, let's hear it from Andre. Sex, intimacy, and all of that comes with sex and intimacy are so important to the way we relate to others and connect with others, partners in dating. But it's also so important in the way of how we relate to ourselves and understand ourselves. So today we have a sex and intimacy and relationship coach with us, Andre Lazarus, who will be shedding some light on his work, but also we'll be talking about sexual trauma and how that plays into 
our views and relationships with intimacy in a self. So welcome to Dateable, Andre. Welcome. Thank you very much, UA and Julie. Happy to be here. And who is Andre? He's 39 years old. He lives in Asheville, North Carolina, originally from New York, and he's in an open relationship and he is poly. First of all, let's can you give us kind of a brief description of your work? What do you do exactly? Sure. So I have different facets to my work, different offerings. But ultimately, what I do is I help guide individuals, whether it be single individuals, couples, throuples, or more, <laughs> on how to tap into their erotic power. And in each of us, I feel there's a place where we maybe hold ourselves back or don't fully like own that we are these big, powerful sexual beings in the world. And here, when I get to work with you, we get to figure out what is that piece that might be missing in your life so that you can be in your full potential. And you on your website, like you share that you have a story, like your backstory, that you experience sex differently than your friends, community, society. Can you share a little more about just like you and what got you into this space? Yeah, I love sharing this story because I get to reflect back and just be forever grateful for the people who helped me to get here. Because this was not just my journey. This was theirs as well. The reason that I'm sitting in front of you today doing the work that I do is because of the intimate connections. And when I say intimacy, I mean all the facets, emotional, spiritual, physical, people in my life who encouraged me to come into this work and the experiences that I got to share with them. And I really had a lot of shame around sexuality because I realized as I shared in my story, I see sex differently and connection differently is that I was loving multiple people. Mm. I was desiring physical connection from not just women, men, varying different individuals, and really unsure about what that would look like in my life. Because I kept running into my edges of, I'm supposed to be this certain way mm. in a relationship. I'm supposed to only be desiring a certain gender opposite to my own. Mm. And that just wasn't the case. So I really just owe it to all of the individuals along my journey who encouraged me to like go into this work because in the intimate experiences that I was sharing with a lot of these individuals, it was more than just sex. It was more than just fun, frivolous, physical connection. It was actually quite healing for them. And that was hard also at first to take in, you know, when you're in a very vulnerable space with someone and people start crying or start shouting out and saying things that you're not maybe like ready for. You're like, oh, am I doing something wrong? I didn't know how to navigate it at an earlier phase of my life. And what I was finding out through my own education of learning from these individuals was that the experiences we were sharing was much more than just sexual connection. It was therapeutic in many ways. So that's kind of why I decided to lean into this. I wouldn't have done it on my own. At what age did you find your superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I definitely emulate Batman. I have him as a tattoo on my arm. So hearing you say superpower just juiced me up. So thank you for that. <laughs> it started at a very early age, but I didn't know what they were. I didn't realize that they were superpowers. So even in like my high school years is when I started receiving certain reflections 
about how I was showing up in connection in relationship. And when we're in our teens, like what do we really know much about relationship outside of like the excitement and maybe like the lust? And now that I look back, I realize that there were moments where those superpowers were starting to come through, but I really found it more in my like twenties in my college years where again, just the people that I was sharing these connections with were reflecting back what those experiences were like for them. And for me, now that I think about it, even like reflecting in our conversation here, I don't know if I was prepared for what I do today. I don't think I was prepared for it at that time in my life. I needed to live years, another decade or more to really fully understand what that responsibility is to be in very vulnerable, intimate spaces with people that can bring up past or even current trauma. And now having the understanding, the wherewithal, the knowledge, but also still educating myself, learning from all the clients that I work with today. I feel like the past, whether that trauma was like big T trauma, or even like the smaller T traumas of maybe just not like being the person that was viewed sexually in some way. I think we hold all the traumas that went through our lives in the formative years, and they really play into current day. Like how have you seen this in your own life, like things that you dealt with in your formative years? Like how did that impact your own views of sex and love and relationships? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I would say just my own like knowledge of what relationship is and then also of what that trauma was. I think when we're younger, we just assume that these things happen to us and maybe at some point down the road, whatever those like difficult or challenging emotions or feelings were would like subside or we just like get over it. But as we become these adults, which are we're really just big kids, we're all still children, but we just had to grow up at some point because society said so. We now realize, oh no, there's things that don't just go away. There are things that live within us. Like trauma, depending on we're talking big T, little t, trauma is something that can be attached to us within our body. And no amount of just time and pretending that it'll go away will solve that. So I think that's one piece for me, just seeing like a younger version of myself, not really like understanding what these experiences were fully until I had more just of knowledge around them, having teachers, doing my own self-work, plant medicine journeys. All of those were like stepping stones to unravel more of what my trauma past was and still is. I think it's important now to just pause and talk about sexual trauma in general because everybody has varying degrees of understanding what that could entail. So through your experience and the clients you've worked with, can you give us a spectrum of what sexual trauma looks? like. Yeah. We know the opposite end of the spectrum. We've got rape, assault. And then when you work along the spectrum, what are some other examples? That's a tough question. I mean, because it, it is such a spectrum. It could be you really liking someone in middle school and sending them a note and saying, do you like me? Check yes or no. And they check no. Mm. That could affect you still today. This piece of paper and this person having their own choice of their own desire, mm -hmm. sharing very honestly with you. But that right there could affect how you see yourself 
in relationship today. Mm-hmm. The insecurity around what you carry into like, oh, I can't send another note because if I do, then someone's going to reject me. That could be a traumatic experience. So the spectrum is very wide. It doesn't have to be rape, sexual assault, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It can be that small T, which is just not feeling appreciated, not being told that we're good enough or pretty enough that can lead to trauma sustaining throughout our life. I think a lot of people, myself included, are like hesitant to use the word trauma because you don't want to like detract from the big T. But I'm 100% agree. Like I remember a middle school dance when I went up to a boy and asked him to dance and he basically was like, no. And I that sat with me. And mm. it's hard though to be like, that's the same as rape. Clearly it's not. So how do people start to one, like accept that they had these small T traumas? Is there another name for them they can give? Or like, how do you start to own that you actually had these experiences so you can rectify them in the future? Yeah, another great question. Well, first, thank you for sharing about that experience. You're not alone. I definitely have asked people to dance and been rejected. I've told people I liked them mm-hmm. and wanted to like be their boyfriend and was told, no, mm-hmm. I don't like you. And that's a hard thing, especially when we're these young, impressionable beings to receive. So how do we like understand that? How do we make sense of that all and that not stay with us in a way where we're afraid to ask the next person to dance? Right. And the way that I see it is, first, how much do you love yourself? What is it about you and how you're showing up in the world that is fulfilling and you feel just joyful in the way that you're waking up? and bringing your energy to people because that's where I feel like it really starts. When we start to rely on these exterior elements or even people in life to like validate our experience, then that's where I feel like we start to like lose that connection to ourselves. And it doesn't mean you have to love yourself all the time. We're human beings, we're fallible, we make mistakes, but when we can understand that any other person in our life is just mm-hmm. an extension and not a necessity that we standing alone can be enough, then we have more capacity for those moments of rejection to be like, okay, that was a bummer, but I'm still here. I'm still awesome. Their loss maybe. And then just leaves more room for other people that I might meet down the road. So I think it's that self-acceptance and that self-love is where it starts. From my understanding, the work that you do is very hands-on. So when you have a client who has experienced sexual trauma, can you give us an example of what you would help them work through that's different than a therapist, let's say? Yeah. First, it's the building of the understanding that they are safe in their body, that while they might not feel safe all the time, or maybe even not feel safe in their current state, that they in fact being present in front of me are safe. They have their home that they can go to. And when we start with the building of the safety, that's when we can start then allowing for maybe some of the walls, some of the armor that has been put up to start to like melt away and start to strip down. But really it comes down to when we're talking about sexual trauma, again, there's something that happened physically to this individual that is still with them. So if I'm going to be going into any experience where I'm going to be interacting with them in a physical space, it's 
first them understanding that who I am is not going to be a threat or that they have choice in everything that we do from that moment when it comes to not just the physical connection, but the emotional connection as well. An example might be, I've worked with a client where we spent the first almost five sessions where we were on opposite sides of the room. Mm. And only when they felt comfort in moving closer, I recommended that when you feel the desire to move closer, just move a little bit. You don't have to do these big leaps. Just find that place where you feel comfort in coming just a little bit closer. And after five sessions, we were able to actually be sitting in front of each other, holding each other's hands. Mm. There's varying levels. There might be someone who's had like immense trauma, but might feel very comfortable mm. being held by me in the first session. That's why I go back to the safety of that person in their own body and understanding that whatever trauma that had taken place before in their current present where we are in this moment will not take place again. And I know you mentioned like the range of trauma is massive. So with your clients, like what kind of range are people coming to you with? And like, how do you tailor that? Obviously, some of it you just said was around safety. But I'm assuming like someone that has the trauma of maybe not having enough sexual experience and unsure what to do versus someone that's like a domestic abuse or rape survivor is going to be very different. Like, how do you handle that spectrum? It's a co-creative experience. There's nothing that I can handle alone. Mm. And that's why I, I consider myself more of a guide. We are ultimately responsible for our own healing. So when I'm with someone and we are creating the relationship, because that's what I'm doing with the clients that I'm working with. I'm creating a relationship with them. It's understanding where the current boundaries are, where are the limits? Do you feel okay, like being touched on your shoulder? And before me touching them, asking, mm. I often see like someone might give someone a hug or they might like, you know, hold their hand and say, is this okay? For many people that might be completely fine, but some people want to have their voice heard before that action takes place. So it really does vary. It's very dependent on the individual and their comfort level. But ultimately, there is a reason that they came to me and there's a reason that we are here and it's to work towards a goal, to work towards an outcome. And that might take years. That might happen in a single session. You just never know. It really depends. And what does that look like? And excuse my ignorance in this question, but how far do you go with your clients? I'll say that I will go as far as the client feels comfortable going. And that can be in a very physical, connected, erotic, sensual place. And with that, we make sure that there is very clear understanding of where that comfort level is before we go there. So it's a physical experience. There's plenty of arenas and avenues for talk therapy and talk therapy I feel is very beneficial for many people. And there's a place that talk therapy cannot go. And that's where myself and other practitioners who feel confident and also comfortable going into physical spaces has that extra added benefit because with trauma, specifically, we're talking about sexual trauma, living in the body, being able to sometimes go back into that trauma, mm. being able to 
maybe even relived that, mm. oh. but knowing that now you have a voice to say no. Now you have a voice and agency to reclaim what was maybe taken from you. So when you say physical, like, could we go anywhere from like recreating that middle school dance to like full on like recreating a sexual experience? Like what are the limits and lines of what physical means? Yes, it could be like you said, recreating that dance where you get to hear yes, or you get to hear no and be told more than just no, it's no. And Mm. I really appreciate you asking. Mm. Maybe we could try another time. Like, has it been like ever like full on sex or is that like a line? Is there a line? There's always a line. And for me and the work that I do with my clients, every situation is unique. Knowing that what takes place between us in our sessions Mm. also stays confidential is also vitally important to that individual feeling safe to fully allow themselves to let go and surrender into their healing process. Got it. Wow. I'm so blown away. My body's just having a reaction to all of this because my question back to you, Andre, is how do you do the work that you do and this so physical, hands-on, and not absorb other people's trauma into your body? I feel like yeah. that's where my body's being pulled right now. I think this is where I feel that I'm uniquely set up to do this work because I've experienced my own sexual trauma, because I've also experienced my own other varying forms of trauma, PTSD from being deployed in a war zone and my own life upbringings, that I have done a lot of really deep and challenging work, not only for myself, but for the individuals that come to me to be able to know that they're held in a way that maybe not everyone can. I mean, I'm 5'10", and the chances of me like being a pro basketball player are very (laughs) slim, but there are people that are designed for that work. Mm -hmm. I feel it's the same for this work as well. Mm -hmm. And it really also comes down to how I take care of myself, making sure that I'm showing up with integrity, making sure that I'm have my own rituals of, you mentioned like that trauma, not like holding on to me, like decording rituals mm. so that once I've worked with someone, I'm not carrying that yeah. back home to my partner, to lovers, to clients I'm going to be working with in the future. And there's no exact science to it all. And there's definitely times where I'm working with someone in that particular experience was a lot more challenging, you know, than previous and allowing myself that human experience of the emotionality that took place. So it can be a challenging thing to navigate and I can do it. And it's something that I've been able to do for many years. And I just feel fortunate and grateful that people feel safe enough and trust me to to take them into these spaces. I think this whole concept, you know, I've had a couple conversations with friends, ironically, about this topic in the last week. So it's interesting that we're now talking to you about this. And we were talking about how like sometimes trauma can show up that's not even sexual. Like it could be something like losing a parent or, you know, anything that has nothing to do with sexuality, but it does somehow play into sexual experiences later on. Mm. How have you seen like other traumas that aren't like the sexual ones, whether that's, you know, the big T sexual traumas or even the small T Mm -hmm. ones that we were discussing, but just like completely left field traumas of nothing to do with sex. How do you see those still impacting sex? 
Yeah, I mean, what we see in the way that we're raised, what we learn in our upbringing carries on. So if we are a product of divorce, I'm a product of divorce, Mm -hmm. then that there might have some implication on how I create relationship down the road. Mm -hmm. And I was married and then got divorced. So there's a very good chance that what I witnessed from my parents contributed to what happened in my relationship with my ex-wife and then so on and so forth. So it doesn't have to be from a physical, sexual like place of it being like this big T trauma. It could be if you don't go out with your makeup on, mm. wearing your nicest clothing, then you're not going mm. to land a man. And if you don't land a man, then you're going to be alone mm. for the rest of your life. I mean, <laughs> that can carry on for yeah. forever if not approached or talked about. And that has nothing to do with an actual physical experience that's all around like the psychological of, am I good enough? Mm -hmm. Am I someone that is pretty enough? Am I someone worthy enough of partnership? Or am I going to be destined to be alone for the rest of my life? I mean, that, that falls under a small T, but to me, that's pretty big. You also mentioned PTSD earlier and very curious to know, how does PTSD show up as a sexual trauma? And what do you do with your clients to help them work through that? Well, I mean, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, when talked about, generally, we think about or we go to something having to do with like the military or war or a traffic accident that left us like with certain like actual physical injuries as well, but that emotional injury continues on. Anything that is traumatic and has caused a stress like point in your body to continue on post the experience is PTSD. So when we're talking about sexual trauma, it might be that you were assaulted and had someone hands around your throat and you were like losing your capability to breathe. And you were, you know, fortunately able to get past the physical point, but the trauma piece still lives on. So now if anyone touches your neck, mm. even if mm. in the most gentle, caring way, mm. might re-trigger that trauma experience from previous. So for instance, if that were the case and I was to work with someone and that might be something they want to understand more or work through, it might be slowly moving through that mm. rather than me putting my hand near their neck or on their throat, them having the capability to take my hand and again, moving slowly. There's no rush to any of this. It's really the comfort level to each person. But knowing that here, they feel safe. Mm. They don't feel in any danger. They feel like they have control over their emotions, over their physical body. And it might take another session or two until the hands moved here and then feeling safe there and so on and so forth. So it's finding where that trigger point is, Mm -hmm. recognizing it, which can be challenging, especially I'll say for me as a practitioner, it's sometimes challenging when that trigger point comes back. Because in a way, I am now stepping in as the perpetrator, and that can be a lot to take on. And again, I feel uniquely qualified to be able to do this. 
So we had a listener write in and share that she's recently connected the dots between her PTSD and her groinal response, or basically like her desire levels and, you know, sometimes wanting sex often and other times not so much. And she said she worked with a therapist to make the connection. So how do you start? I mean, obviously working with a therapist is one path forward, but I'm like, how do you actually make that connection for things that were outside of like a sexual realm that this could actually be impacting your sex life and intimacy with partners? Well, first, again, seeking outside resources. If for some reason, and it's completely okay that it's not something you're able to fully comprehend or solve on your own and whether it be through research on like the internet or reading a book that you're wanting outside experience and help going to a therapist talking about it like being able to feel comfortable sharing that there is something in your life that is currently not where you want it to be mm-hmm. and you want to shift into a different place than where you are so having that conversation and then in that conversation again sometimes going backwards Oftentimes when I work with clients, I like to go back to, again, childhood, because we all started at some point Mm. as our younger versions of ourselves. And somewhere along the way, we went from a place of feeling safe or feeling held or feeling loved. And then something happened. There is a moment, and it could be many moments, but there is a pivotal moment where that experience happened that altered the way that we see relationship, the way that we see sex, the way that we feel safe during physical intimate experiences. And then when we pinpoint that, now we know, now we know where that trigger point is. It's through very slow, guided, again, consent negotiation, going to that point and actually spending time there. It might take some time. It might take months before you feel comfortable even talking about a specific part of your body that was violated. It might even take longer for you to then want to show someone, whether it be a partner or a practitioner, where that took place. And then even further, when you feel comfort in being able to go to that place physically with someone, knowing again that you're safe in that experience or safer in that experience, you can now reclaim maybe that loss of power that you felt. Can you also just go a little deeper on what groinal response means? Because when we had this person write in and I saw the two words, I was like, oh, that's what I was experiencing after my last relationship ended due to infidelity. For those first two months, every time I thought about him with these other women, I was like, turned on. Interesting. Like I had a groinal response to that visual. And I didn't understand why I was getting sexual pleasure from something that was making me so angry. Mm. So I would love to learn a little bit more about that. This is also very much like person and situation dependent. But the groinal response you're talking about is maybe one from a state of turn on. The groinal response might be a state of like tension Mm. of holding of what was that trauma experience. So for instance, vaginismus. Vaginismus is where there's like this, the tightening of the vaginal muscles, where even like the smallest pinky 
of even themselves, you know, self-pleasuring might not actually be able to enter because there is something that took place that they don't feel safe in their body to be able to allow that muscle, that pelvic floor area to relax into. So when we're talking about your experience where you were receiving turn on from this, this is where that taking power back Mm. can happen. Sometimes this is done where when we're able to be in that experience that at first was traumatic and say, but here is me saying, I get to control the outcome of this. And that actually is a turn on. You're now, again, getting to reclaim it as your own. When you say coronal response, I'm happy to hear how you described it because where I went initially was the response of like restriction, of Mm -hmm. closing, of Mm. holding. I think you bring up another point too, UA, that doesn't need to be stuff from your like formative years. It very much could be, but this is like a continuous (laughs) piece. And I mean, I feel like when someone experiences a trauma, like being cheated on, you could not want to have any sexual relations either. It's kind of like the reverse of the clamming up piece. I mean, we've touched on some examples, but like, is there anything we're missing in terms of where this trauma can stem from or like how wide it ranges? I mean, I feel like we've hit a (laughs) lot of really substantial points and it doesn't even have to happen to you. That's the other thing. Oh, interesting. You can hear about an experience that someone else had and that might put you into a fear state wow. of, for instance, like say you love traveling and then you found out one of your friends was traveling and they were assaulted mm. and that now they have fear of ever leaving their home. If that had such an impact on you where you are no longer traveling because you don't want that to happen to you, that's now a trauma response. And mm-hmm. that didn't even physically happen to you in your experience. So if there's anything that I would hope that people take away from listening to this is that you have so much room and possibility for healing Mm -hmm. within your trauma experience and to allow yourself patience and grace that if it doesn't happen overnight, that you're not broken, that you still have time to work through these experiences and you don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. That's where therapists, practitioners come in because we all need help. Yeah, You ladies, I'm sure have needed help at some point in your life as well. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself the grace and compassion that there's healing in your future. It's just a matter of when you feel ready. No one can force you to do that. And that's sometimes the challenging piece is the self-responsibility of mm-hmm. wanting to go into that healing journey because no one's going to be able to push us into that. We need to do it on our own. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. 
and feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was gonna learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all about taking back the control and being empowered. Sometimes I think in sex, we feel like we're giving up the control to the other person. Like we're just following along and just going along for the ride. And this work that you do goes beyond sexual trauma. I think it's just overall how we look at sex as a society is problematic. And we don't think we have the power sometimes. When you think about communities like BDSM and kink communities, do you think that those are mm. good ways to kind of open up our views on sex? And, you know, if someone's not ready for one-on-one -on -one work with you, do you think that's a good entry point? Short answer is yes, I do. And with anything... It's important that we do our due diligence, that we do our research, that we ask ourselves the question of why are we going into these spaces? What do we want to experience? Making sure we're having very clear, guided, consensual conversations with individuals that we might be going into these spaces with. But the realm of BDSM, I, it's one that I feel very comfortable in, that I enjoy in my personal life, but I also will go in with clients as well. And when we get to relive or be in that experience that might have been traumatic, but now from a place of taking that control back and having that power, being empowered, we have now been able to reclaim it. And that's where BDSM is a great space. So this is just a quick example. You might have immense trauma from being spanked with a hanger when you were younger. Mm. And now... Anytime you see a hanger or anytime anyone might touch your butt, that might re-trigger what that experience was. But when you can allow yourself the room to, in a safe way, be with someone and now have them, through negotiation, through clear guidelines, bring in a hanger or bring in spanking, and now you see that there's something here that you're able to relive but now it's no longer from a place of mm. you not having choice you have choice mm. you're asking yeah i want you to spank my ass now you've been able to again reclaim that power so kink bdsm is a, a really beautiful space to dip your toe into this and i also want to be very clear that it's a very large and nebulous space and mm. making sure you're going to people who have the requisite knowledge, the experience, making sure you're asking the right questions. Go with a friend to a munch, which is basically like a kink meetup. Go to a dungeon or a party where you have outlets where you know that if you want to leave at any time, you can. Mm -hmm. And if you want to stay and just watch or ask questions, you have that space too. I would say in the open relationship community, as well as the BDSM community, these are some of the most well-intentioned communities when it comes to like communication, consent, Yeah, because you have to be, because if you're not, you will be 
kicked out in two seconds. I can't say I see that all the time in other forms of connection, even, you know, we talk about more traditional relationship dynamics. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's the longer answer. I mean, I totally see the logic of that because repressing things doesn't help. So it's like, how do you reframe it with this? My question for you, though, is there ever a case that goes too far and it compounds the trauma instead of fixing it? Yes. And that's why I say it's really important that you are with knowledgeable individuals, people who have experience, people who have not just researched this, but actually lived it. I will not go into a space or I will not provide a certain experience to someone that I have not at least tested on myself or with someone else that I feel safe and comfortable going into that with. There are people that have come to me that have wanted to experience elements that are outside of my my knowledge base. And I will admit that. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to admit that you don't know everything, that you don't also feel comfortable. A lot of this is around also boundaries. I know we've probably only said it a couple of times, but realizing your own boundaries is very essential to your healing journey. You can definitely re-trigger trauma points and make things worse if it's not being held in a safe and consensual way. So that's why I will reiterate to make sure that you are asking the right questions. And then if you have even more questions, don't feel like you have to rush into anything. Like you have time as well to learn. I know that our conversations making some people blush for sure, because they probably never openly talked about any of this. And even if you take a step back, I think there's just a lot of shame around sex in general. I was out with a girlfriend the other night and we're talking about this new guy. She's saying, she's like, oh, everything's so great. We've been on some great dates and we had sex. And she like whispered and I was like, what? (laughs) And she's like, and then we had sex. (laughs) I'm like, why are you whispering? Why is this a secret? She's like, I don't know. I'm like not comfortable talking about it yet. And I didn't understand why. So What are some ways if people still feel a lot of shame around sex and talking about sex and even the act of sex, what are some baby steps that people can take to start removing those those barriers? Yeah, I think the first baby step is realizing that we are all sexual beings. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way, we were shamed for our desires. We were told that having certain wants or turn-ons were wrong or sinful or loving a certain gender that might not be societal norm was like blasphemy. And also, we are people that are educated through the years. And when we're not receiving certain education in certain facets, we're not going to have the requisite knowledge to be able to fully understand that particular subject matter. I don't know what it was like for you both, but I think my sex education was maybe like a two-hour video of here's Tim (laughs) and here's Betty, and they really (laughs) like each other. And And then don't get pregnant. But they should probably wait until marriage. Yeah, that's what we're taught. Yeah, We're not taught that we're deserving of pleasure. We're not taught that emotions and connection in sex is just as important as the overall goal, societal goal of like getting pregnant and then having a baby and then the white picket fence. So it makes sense that your friend and other people don't 
sit around a dinner table and talk about orgasms or talk about some really raunchy sex. It feel <laughs> comfortable. Like my dream, because this is what I do, and sometimes, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. And when I find out that it does, I know that I can then tailor what I'm talking about. But I speak about sex as if it's just another day. And when we can start to like do that as a collective mm -hmm. and make it not this shameful thing or this thing that we only talk about with friends or this thing that we only do in the privacy of our own bedroom will diminish some of the feelings of shame. If you want to like really see how human beings can just be their full, free, uninhibited selves, go to a play party. Mm. One that, again, where people have clear guidelines of what is safe and consensual, but see what it's like to be in a room of a bunch of people having intimate experiences. And here's some people having sex over here <laughs> while two people are having a drink at a bar and the other two are watching TV because that's what they're choosing to do at the party. It really comes down to us realizing that we have our inherent right of being sexual beings and celebrating it, celebrating each other for being that way. We did an episode where we went to a play party. So we are 100% with you just <laughs> being in that environment, seeing it, even if you're not ready to participate, I think just being exposed to it is mind opening. Let's say though, you're a little bit more vanilla and you're not ready to make the venture <laughs> to the sex party. <laughs> How do you start to like open up a conversation with your partner? in a way that like removes the shame and lets people openly talk about their traumas. Again, big T to the smallest of T's, whatever that might entail. How do you start having a conversation that feels more like opening up about the topic? Yeah. If you're open to it, Julie, maybe you and I can do a quick okay. little like, role play. <laughs> yes. A little Let's role do play it. if you're open to it. Okay. Okay. I love watching. So yeah, do it. I got your consent. Okay. So, so Julie, we've been dating for a year now and I've absolutely loved all of the intimate connection that we've been sharing. There's been something that I've been wanting to share with you, but I've been nervous and I feel like I can trust you to hold me in this and know that I love you and I care about you. And if you have any questions, I'm here for it. But would you be open to hearing about this fantasy that I have? I would love to hear, Andre. I'm here for you. Thank you. I have this fantasy of watching you and another man have a really delicious sexual experience where I'm not involved. And I'm wondering how that makes you feel hearing me say that. No, I'm a little turned on right now. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. Me too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I admit that's not something I've done before or thought about doing. Would it be okay if we talked about this more and what that might entail for, you know, each of our sexuality and our relationship? Absolutely. And I appreciate you receiving it. And I want you to know that if there's anything that you ever want to share with me that maybe you have thought about and were hesitant, that I'm here to hold that for you. And we'll just take it slow. And there's no rush to any of this. Love that. Thank you for sharing. So <laughs> that was an example, like conversation of when you can trust that your partner will love you and hold you 
no matter what comes out of your mouth, yeah. that these are just ideas, that these are just feelings, that it's nothing personal. We're not saying, oh, you sitting across from me are not enough for me. And I'm just trying to like find my way out. You're enough for me. And there's more that mm-hmm. I'm desiring. And I want to figure out what that is. And we might not actually ever physically go into that. Yeah but we can at least talk about it. And now it's out there. That's why I say like in BDSM and open relating that these particular groups of dynamics are so powerful because the authenticity and the communication is just overwhelmingly just amazing. Sometimes it's challenging. You might hear something that is hard to hear, but when you can say something and now you've said it and it's the truth and you're not holding back, ugh. Yeah. Mm. The weight of that off of you is just, you can't compare mm. it. I was going to say, like, obviously, this wasn't a role play scenario, but I'm like thinking about if this actually was a scenario, I probably would have maybe asked more, like, is this a request or is this just something you're mm. sharing with me? Like, how do you break down that piece? Because I think sometimes when people tell you something, your mind automatically goes to, like, they want to do this tomorrow, where that might not even be the case. Mm. Well, right there. I mean, that was a perfect example is asking that question. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you shared that with me. Thank you. Is this like an idea? Is this something you want to put into action? Yeah. And now it's up to me to then go deeper into that. And then we have dialogue. Mm. But I think what sometimes happens is we don't always assume positive intent when we have conversations like this. In doing so, that's why we get hurt. And then when we're hurt, then we're like, okay, I don't want to share this ever again. Or if I do, I'm going to hold back a bit. It's being able to feel confident that whatever does get shared, even if it's challenging, that we can work through it together. And it takes practice. Like none of this is like overnight. Again, I've been in my relationship for 10 years. We've been open in our relationship since we met, since the inception. Wow. And we are currently moving through a very challenging time in our relationship. Very challenging. This isn't like a Mm. fix. Oh, I did this once and now we're good. And it happens in monogamous relationships as well. It's where do you, again, just feel confident in the relationship that what you share will at least be heard. It doesn't have to be Mm. fully understood, but it will at least be heard. And then you guys can move through it slowly with practice over time. Can I ask you for one more role play and you could do it with UA this time? (laughs) UA, would you be open to that? I'm very open. Okay, (laughs) I'm just like thinking of the, the range that we have here. And this is something we get a lot as a question, especially from men, I think, of men that don't have a lot of sexual experience, whether it was like some past trauma, big T or little T, depending on what where it came from. How do they share that with their partner or potential new partner in a way that they'll still feel like the person's attracted to them, but, you know, share their truth. And then also if they don't have as much of experience, the partner is not like, why is this person terrible in bed? That's more like, again, what the perception is that we've heard people say before. Okay. And what is this in the role play? Let's say you're the person with inexperience and you is the person you're trying to date. Like, how are you going to share this truth with her in a way that, you know, keeps your relationship moving forward, but you're sharing your truth? This is a good example right here. Also for your listeners, 
I checked in with UA where Julie brought in an mm-hmm. idea. She was excited about it. She's like, hey, I'd like you to do this for the UA. <laughs> yeah. I could have been like, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. Mm. But instead, I took a moment and I checked in and I asked her if she was open to it. Yeah. And she said, yes. It wasn't a okay or mm, I'm not sure. There is clear consent in that agreement. So just don't want to gloss over that. That's important that mm-hmm. we always check in with someone to make sure that they're on board. Even if someone else mm-hmm. says, I'm good, they'll come along with me, check in with that person. So, so you, yeah, I realized the last time that we were in bed together that I came really quickly. I was really turned on and it was a powerful orgasm. And I realized that it didn't last very long. And I have some shame around that, but I want to talk with you about this because I feel like you can help me to calm myself down earlier on. And if you're open to hearing this, I feel very safe sharing it with you, but I just wanted to check in to see if you're open to receiving some feedback. Thank you for sharing that with me, Andre. To be honest, I didn't even think about that as a factor. I was very happy that you came. That makes me happy. I hope that we can move towards a relationship where it's not about timing of orgasms and judging the timing, but that we are both equally happy and feel pleasured in our sexual experience. So maybe that's something we can work towards. Oh, I love you even more oh. than I did before. <laughs> I love you um, too. <laughs> <laughs> What my feedback is, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So when you were going down on me, I realized how much more sensitive I am on like the head of my member than I used to be. And you were going really fast. And that got me just to a point of like my explosive moment. So maybe in the future, we can try maybe moving slower. And that would allow me more time to settle into feeling your mouth on me and allowing me to last a little bit longer. I so appreciate that feedback because I've only watched porn all my life and that's what they do. They go fast and nobody's given me that feedback before. So I'm glad that you're telling me what is pleasurable to you because I don't have a penis. I wouldn't know what would make it feel good. And it's on you to tell me that. So I appreciate that. I love this. That was great. That was great. And I think like... <laughs> I'm giving all three of us a round of applause on that one. I think for one. our listeners too, like if you're not as eloquent as maybe I will say Andre and UA were <laughs> from listening, that's okay too. I think we can't, we don't need to be buttoned up to have this conversation. Yes. What I like about it though, is it's just opening things up in a way that's transparent. It's sharing. It's hopefully bringing you closer to your partner. Yes. Well said, Julie. Well, this has been such an incredible conversation. I mean, there's so many takeaways. I don't even know where to start. But I think the biggest (laughs) one I have is just like recognizing our human experiences, you know, not putting shame on the past, but also not feeling like the past defines us too. So what are ways that we can leverage what may have happened? I'm hoping that like this is triggering just a lot for people, not in the sense that there's something wrong with you if you have like past trauma, but more of just accepting that that's part of the human experience, that we all have our traumas and past cuts and wounds that 
impact the way we date and are intimate today and have sex and all the ways it shows up. So just giving yourself grace, like it sounds so cheesy, but this like loving your inner child bit, like I think there is something there of just like going back to that time, whether you go to the full extreme of working with someone like Andre to like recreate that middle school dance, or even just telling yourself like, okay, that was middle school, you know, like that was an unfortunate situation that happened, but look how far I've come today. So I think there's many ways you can navigate it. Of course, a lot of it depends on your own self and what's going on for you. But just knowing that there are resources, if you feel like you need that outside person, I think that would make me feel a lot better just knowing there is someone I can turn to. And again, it's up to you of like what works for you. And maybe it's trial and error. Maybe it's trying talk therapy. And if that doesn't work, trying something more hands on, like there's many ways to go through it. But I loved what you said, Andre, of like, if this is still something that's getting in the way of you having the intimacy and love life you want, then it's worth double clicking on and looking a little deeper of what might be going on. Yes, well said. Yeah, I mean, Andre, honestly, before even talking to you, I had no idea this is what people can do. I had no idea you could be this resource for someone. And I wish I had you when I was going through my breakup and just being disgusted by men, not wanting anybody to touch me, and really going through this period of repulsion. From this conversation, it feels like sex can be expanded with the right resources and help and support and also mindset. And we can take back control of our previous experiences and then have more agency of our sexual desire moving forward. So with previous experiences, we can say, yes, that happened to me, but I can take back how it's manifesting in my body. So that's taking control. And then being able to say, I have agency over my body and my desire, and I can communicate that with my partner, with the people I am sexually involved with, with myself. Sometimes I've masturbated. I'm like, does this even feel good? Am I (laughs) like giving myself feedback? Like, are you just doing this because you've seen it somewhere or are you doing it for your own pleasure? It's hard for me to disconnect the two, but I'm Mm -hmm. glad we're having this conversation because we can take agency over our own sexual desire. So with that, if people want to know more about your work and more about you, where can they find you? You can find me on my website, which is coming-closer.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and uh, that's coming closer with Andre. Awesome. And we'll link everything in the show notes as well. Beautiful. And to something you said, Yue, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients where they have said, I'm so glad that you exist in the world. And I had no idea that you existed in the world. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there just like myself doing this work. So know that if there is something that you're wanting to go deeper into your healing journey, that there's a likelihood that that person or that modality exists. So just doing some research and you'll find what you're looking for. Well, thank you so much, Andre, for being here. This was such a great conversation. We're really glad that you were able to join us. Thank you both. Yeah, really appreciate you and appreciate our listeners who've come along for the ride, coming closer and coming along for the ride who maybe came already. 
But for <laughs> for those of you who are still with us, you know, this is a great time to go to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, a review, five stars, and maybe in the body of the review, you can tell us, what did you learn from this episode? What did you learn from Andre? What did you learn about yourself? We really appreciate those love letters as well. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay Dateable. The Dateable podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Dateable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already ready on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. So you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay dateable.